this is almost the pivotal point of meetings at times, I think. Quite often, I don't know a lot of people in the congregation. I have seen some of your faces at the Bible school already, so I feel I know some of you. How many feel you know me? Okay, so there's a few that are wondering who they get this year. Will he put us to sleep? In the meantime, I look here and I wonder, will they go to sleep? <laughs> and then you wonder, well, maybe he will keep us from sleep. This clock on the wall is a very interesting thing. It's unique to Anabaptist circles. You go to a lot of other denominations, they don't have clocks on the wall. Uh, sometimes time is the enemy. Sometimes I am the enemy. But we all know that we have a real enemy behind all of this. I'm not sure. This evening, I've got some mixed emotions. And um, I try to be open to the Spirit. And I want to, I want to set some things straight. I did not bring revival with me. And it takes some of the pressure off of me because the success or failure of this week doesn't entirely depend upon me. It does to a large degree. I have been asked to share God's word with you. And I know where I want to start. And I know where I believe we need to finish. But the middle is wide open. I'm praying that God would just lead us each night to where we need to go. However... A lot of it's going to depend on you. You can have all the ingredients for revival in the world. You can... You talked about walking into a gold mine. Who of us would walk into a gold mine and not look for the gold? It's fascinating. We were out on the West Coast on a family trip. And we drove through some back hills, and there was old abandoned mine shafts. You could see these little shanties here and there. And they were all boarded up. And I thought the greatest thing on earth would be just to go down in there and explore and see if they just left some gold behind. Because there was gold there. And then lo and behold, we took some, we took some pictures as a family, and we had stopped beside the road at a rest station, and there was some caverns in the hills. Somebody had... And we took pictures and everything. It wasn't until I got home and I looked at some of the pictures that were from inside the cave pointing out. And I thought, I see something yellow on that rock. I wonder if there was gold there. I haven't got back to find out yet. What are you expecting this week? What is revival? May they speak? Okay. What is revival? Not looking for deep theological answers here. What's revival? Renewal. Renewal? Making our walk catch up to our talk. What we say is pretty simple. Our actions are actually where it's at. Jesus gave illustrations of that. 
There was a man that had a vineyard, and he asked his two boys, he said, will you go out and work for me today? And remember what happened? The first son said, yeah, I'll go. And then he went out the door, and I don't know if his buddy came along, and they decided to go fishing or what, but it says he did not go to the vineyard. The other son says, no, Dad, I'm not going. i got plans. I'm going to do something else. He went out the door, and he started thinking, you know what? I should be in that vineyard. And he went, and he worked. And then Jesus said, now, who did the will of his father? Because they both did exactly opposite to what they said. And the people were smart enough to catch it. They said, well, of course, the guy who went to work in the vineyard. So I'm going to tell you this evening, it's important what you say, but what you say doesn't matter if your actions don't line up. Now, what's revival? Because we often think of it as bringing back from death, which it is. It is. I mean, if I'm up here preaching and all of a sudden I go into cardiac arrest. Is there anybody here that knows CPR? Are you willing to administer it to a poor preacher? Or are you all going to just stand and say, oh, poor brother Tom. You know, I don't know if he's going to make it. Sure hope he does. Let's call 911 see how long it takes for the ambulance to get here. No, we jump in. We do what we can, right? But that's in a drastic situation. And too often in our lives, we wait till we're dead before we worry about becoming alive again. What is revival? What is the kindling and the renewal of the flame? I'll tell you something. I get excited when I get into the Word because it's alive and it's powerful. And the Holy Spirit fills you and you just, there's no better place to be. But if I get too excited... And the people next to me see it. And they saw I was excited on Sunday during the service. But here I'm out in the middle of the week. Underneath that piece of equipment. That broke down at the most inopportune time. And I'm. If I'm not saying it. I'm probably thinking some pretty dark thoughts. What happened? What happened? Where'd my song go? Where'd my testimony go? See we don't want to get on fire too much. Because it takes energy. It takes fuel. And if we burn up that fuel. We need more fuel. And if we get alive and on fire and then we're not, somebody knows there's a problem. And maybe a brother or sister might come to me, put their arm, a brother only, put his arm around me and say, Tom, I see there's a need in your life here. What's going on? God gave us each other in a church for a purpose. And you may think it's all the preacher's responsibility. I want to tell you tonight, it is not. In fact, the preacher has one of the most difficult jobs in the world. There was a lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher went bear hunting up in Canada. And by the way, I tried to figure this out on the way to church, but they couldn't find out on the GPS. Anyone know what latitude you're on? How high above the equator? Are you above the 47? Like the 49th is the border up top. So you're just above the 45th. I would suppose. I'm not sure. Oh, maybe we are a little bit farther north than you then. We'll have to check that out. Anyhow, I was going to say, I think I'm farther south than what you are. I'm just way east. They went hunting for a bear. They were going out together, and as they were walking into the woods, lo and behold, a bear ran out. And they all pulled their guns up, and they all fired at the same time. Bear drops down dead. But when they walk up to it to try to figure out who it belonged to because they were spread out and thought maybe they could tell by the angle of the shot, couldn't see why the bear was dead. It was obviously dead. 
And as we're looking, the lawyer says, well, I guess since we all fired at the same time, we don't know we're all going to have a third chair. And then the doctor said, no, no, hold it. He said, it's the preachers. See here? Got shot in the head. Went clean in one ear and out the other. And sometimes preachers feel that way. It is so easy to have things be heard. It's easy to keep the attention of people at times, but really I can't make the heart connection. You have to be there and the Holy Spirit has to speak. So we've got the word of God. We've got a preacher. We've got people that hopefully come into the gold mine seeking gold. And brothers and sisters, if you want revival, God will give it to you. God will give it to you. You're going to be able to decide at what level revival comes. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, he said, I'm come that they might have life. And he doesn't leave it there. He says, and that they might have it more abundantly. So I don't know what level you're at tonight, but I want to tell you something. There's more in the Christian life than what you're experiencing. Sounds a little bit bold, I know. But I will tell you this, no matter how old I get, I will grow because the Word of God will do that when you get into it. It will continue to shape and mold. And if you disagree with me tonight, you're telling me you're perfect. And I want to meet you because here's something else I'm going to confess to you. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not even close to it. If you knew sometimes how needy preachers were, we need revival too. And that's probably the greatest reason I'm looking forward to this week. It's going to give me a time to just forget about everything else, get into the Word, and be blessed. So if nothing else this week, I know I'm going to get a blessing. But I pray that as we together seek the Lord, we'll all be revived. You know, there's so many people that get saved, they get full of the joy of the Lord, and they've got the smile on their face. And then something happens along the way, and you've got a choice at that point. See, the reason we have revival meetings is because maintenance is one of the most important things on earth. You know, God gives us warnings in life. We used to drive an older car. And my daughter was using it to go back and forth to work. And that little yellow service engine light that's on the dash was on constantly. Because there was a sensor that was defective and I didn't think it was worth putting the money into the car to fix the sensor. I knew it ran fine without it. So my daughter got used to the idea that cars can run with lights on on the dash. And I still remember my um, shock when she called me up one night she said, Dad? The red brake light is on. Can I keep driving? Because it's beside the yellow one. <laughs> I said, no. Yellow is caution. Red means stop. It was a brake light. We, 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 we had a leak in a brake line. She could have driven down the road and had no brakes. But see, we get used to running with things. Today, the guy's back home running one of our boats. We have a we have a barge that has an outboard motor on it. And when you run an outboard motor, 
there's a circulation system that pumps cold water through to keep the engine from overheating. And there's this little tube called a telltale. And this telltale ejects a jet of water. So you know that the impeller is working and it's pumping water through it. Now recently on this motor, we discovered that at times it was just kind of sputtering and spitting and really not coming up. Well, sometimes it'll pick up dirt and it'll clog the tube. And then it got better again and it got a little bit worse. And we thought, well, you know what? We probably should change up that impeller. But it meant work. It meant taking the barge out and getting the piece and getting the time to do it. So we didn't do it. Today they seized the engine. What would have been easier? To fix it? We knew there was a problem. Oh, but let me tell you something. It's hard to fix things. Because if I have to fix something, I have to admit that maybe things weren't the way they should have been. And we are all good con artists. We like people to believe we've got it all together. I can't let you see how human I am. You know, I can recall very vividly sitting in revival services, literally holding on to the edge of the bench because I could feel the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart, telling me to respond. And I didn't want to get up and do it. I know the Spirit can speak that strongly to us. But we can choose not to listen. And he'll, he'll bring something to our minds and, and we'll sit there and we'll think, oh, that's not that big, that's not that bad. I'll take care of it later. In another, there's no way I'm going to respond here in a church service and have everybody wonder what's wrong with me. Brothers and sisters, we need to get a different attitude about revival. I'll tell you this, I've never seen anyone respond that didn't have the Holy Spirit motivate them. Now when the Holy Spirit motivates them, you've got people who are spiritual. And you don't have to be perfect. You just simply have to decide, will I or will I not respond if God speaks to me? Oh, the message is going on. The preacher is saying something that is so pertinent that if only, and I've heard this, Brother Tom, that was such a good message. I wish so-and-so had I been here. Well, that's great. But they're not. And somehow the message gets pushed off to someone else instead of you getting the benefit God intended for you out of it. You know, you look at the brother or sister across from you. They need that. They need that. How honest are we willing to be when we look at our lives? I invite you this evening for a text to turn to Psalm 139. It is, it is a fact that if you desire revival tonight, you cannot wait for it to start on the front bench and work its way backwards. What you need to do, and you know what? I talk to people, I talk to people that tell me they're not happy with their church. I come across young people that are just about ready to throw in the towel because they see so much hypocrisy, they see so many people that aren't truly what they say. Oh, and mom and dad, mom and dad, I told you about actions and words. We can say what we want. 
But our children truly know where we're at by what we do too. And it's not when we do everything the right way for 99% of the time. It's when we take that 1% and we decide that this is an exception to what we would normally do and we do that. They know where our hearts truly are. They know what we will allow in our lives. If you want a church that's on fire, you got to be willing this evening to pray, to ask God to have revival come, and you've got to draw a circle, and you've got to stand inside that circle and say, Lord, let revival start right here in this circle. It's got to be with me. It's got to be personal. And this is what I love about Psalm 139. Too often, we're looking outward. We need to have an inward focus. And I love the way David uses the words me and I here in this psalm. We'll read it this time. Psalm 139. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue. But lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the innermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May the Lord bless this portion of his word. I look out this evening over the audience and I see outside to each one of us 
That outside tells me a lot. Your expressions tell me whether you're bored, feigning interest, actually there with it. It's okay to nod your head or shake your head or, you know, it's okay to say amen or... I remember one brother, <laughs> I was preaching and he said, Lord, help us. And I thought, well, is he referring to the preacher or is he actually <laughs> heard something that's got... But you know what? It pulls it out of a preacher. If you want to encourage your ministers this evening, congregation, I encourage you, agree with them freely when you feel the word is being preached in truth. It helps. It helps. So I see you. I see the way you dress. So I sort of know what you profess. But you know, I'm seeing the outside. Rest assured, I do not know what's inside. I cannot read your thoughts. Okay? So right now, if somehow you feel this week... The preacher is singling you out somehow. I'll tell you freely. No one from this church called me up and said, here's a list of problems we have in our church. When you have revivals, could you address these issues? I was in a youth group one time. We were having a a youth retreat. And I was asked to address a certain issue. And I asked the Lord about it, and I never got clearance to do it. So I didn't do it. And I felt kind of bad, but I felt worse For those youth leaders and pastors that should have been addressing the issue that they knew was there and they were acquainted with because they could address it to the right source. See, we often, we often like someone else to do the dirty work, right? It's kind of nice that we can just come along and get all the cream and, and all the glory. But I can't see inside of you. I don't know what's there. However, tonight I want to assure you with certainty that God does. God does. There is absolutely nothing that is hidden. Let's just look at this for a little bit here. Um, He starts out by saying, you've searched me and known me. And then he goes through all of these things. You know my my down-sitting and my uprising. What he's saying here is very simply, you know everything I do. Now, how often have I done something in life that I hope nobody knows what I did? I remember as a young fellow doing some things that I'm not too proud of. And I can confess to you that I looked around pretty carefully before I did them. But I didn't do one thing. I didn't look up. God knew. Oh, but God doesn't tell anyone, does he? Who am I afraid of? If I'm afraid of what man is going to think, man can judge me all he likes. Man cannot send me to heaven. Men cannot send me to hell. God will one day. We'll stand before God at that judgment throne. And he will declare unto us a just judgment. It'll be based upon what I've done. He knows everything we do. In fact, it goes on to say that he even knows my thought afar off. He knows Oh, this gets scary. He knows what I'm going to think before I even think it. Wow. Now, you say that takes all the control of your hands. God knew you were going to do it. No, God gave man the freedom to choose. You have freedom to choose. We're pretty good. We're pretty good at hiding from other people where we're at, what we're thinking, what we're doing. (laughs) 
God knows so much about us, it tells us in the New Testament that the very hairs of our head are numbered. Now, I take this literally. I take it to mean that God knows how many hair I have in my head right now. If I took a shower and something came out, he'd know exactly. I want to tell you something. It's not because God is some sort of a spy that's keeping track of me. No, it's just how great God is. He knows. He doesn't even have to count. He just knows what is there. So, that kind of scrutiny can either be reassuring, because God knows me, right? You ever do something silly? You ever do something later and think, oh man, nobody understands why I did that. It backfired or something went wrong. But God knows what your intention was. And sometimes that brings me great comfort. But then there's other times when I do things that I want to look pretty good and really I was only doing them out of fear or duty or whatever and God also knows that. Billy Graham was giving a crusade one time, or speaking, sorry, it wasn't a crusade, he was speaking. And... They took up an offering that night. He had two bills in his wallet. He had a $1 bill and he had a $10 bill. And the previous time he had spoke, they had forgot to give him some sort of honorarium. And they were feeling the pinch. So he determined he was going to give God the dollar. He reaches into his wallet, accidentally gets the 10, and it goes in the offering. And afterward he was telling his wife Ruth about this. And she just looked at him to think, yeah, for shame, and God's only going to give you credit for the one dollar that you intended to give. <laughs> That's where his heart was, right? God knows that about us. So, it brings comfort when I'm misunderstood. It brings fear when he understands and sees through my facade. And how do I know if I'm doing that? How do I know tonight if I'm genuine and real before God? It's pretty easy to measure. You're moving. You're moving through life. Nobody's stagnant. Everybody is moving. You're going one direction or the other. You may sort of rest in the period for a little bit, but you will be moving. Now the question is, are you moving towards God and His will and His purpose and His way? Or are you running from God? Do you know what I mean by running from God? Like, the example of Jonah, where God said, do this, and Jonah did exactly the opposite? I know all about running from God. I ran from God as a young boy when I knew he was calling. And then I got saved and experienced joy and peace in my life, and ever since then it hasn't been a problem. No. I've run from God to my shame. Since that time, I never wanted to be a preacher. There's still some days when I just, I don't want to be a preacher. But you know what? I know God called me to be a preacher. I know there was one time in my life when I was in a situation where I was spared what could have been grievous harm, perhaps death. And I know I felt a hand on me at that point. I knew God said, I've got a purpose for your life. And I knew what it was. But I buried it. And I hid it. And I ran from it with all my might. All the mean while I'm a Christian and I'm doing. I don't know what it is tonight. Where it is in your life. But people say, 
They don't hear God. They say they don't understand what they should be doing in life. Well, maybe we'll talk about that more another night. I want to tell you something. God is as real in your life as you let him be. If you're not hearing from God, there's a distance there. There's a wall there. There's some wax in my ear. And it's my problem. It's not God's because God speaks. Of that I am sure. Where can you flee from God? David asks his questions. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Yeah, I go into heaven, that's your dwelling. If I go into hell, and here it's not referring to the final judgment lake of fire hell. It's referring to death, shoal. And I will tell you something. Hell, and he says God is there even. Yes, God is even there where people have departed their spirits. But one place God is not, and this is what makes it so fearful, is that final hell that's coming. In fact, that's what's going to make it so terrible. It's going to be the total absence of the presence of God that's going to make it a dark and fearsome place, along with the torment that goes with it. There God will not be. But he says, if I, if I take the wings of the morning, if I go to the most remote place on earth, no matter what happens, God will be there. In fact, he says, if I run for cover, if I try to get into the shade no it says if I look for darkness this is an interesting concept have you ever had a time in your life when you just wanted something tucked into the shadows where you were afraid that maybe the spotlight might pick something up why do we like shadows why why do men like darkness Jesus said that men like darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. All I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. There's a really simple test we can do in life. If there's anything in your life that you're trying to keep in the shadows, hidden and out of sight, it's not good. It's not good. It will be revealed sometime because God knows. He sees the darkness and the light are both alike unto him. How, how can God know this so clearly about us? We're all unique individuals. I don't know what your struggles are. I don't know what your gifts are. But I can tell you a few things with assurance because of what we're told here in this psalm. And some of the wording here is a little bit convoluted. Um, if you look at verses, verses uh, 13 down through 16, what it is saying there is that God knows all about us because he created each and every one of us. Understand this clearly. You're a living soul that God gave life to. And it says that when you were being created, he says that there's a book. And in that book, all your members are written. If you study this through and look at it, what it's saying is that when God created you, he didn't just make somebody to wander aimlessly through life. God gave you a map to follow. God has a purpose and a plan for every single life here. 
And I will tell you this, there are no mistakes with God. And I can say that with certainty. My mother was unmarried when she got pregnant with me. It wasn't right. Am I a mistake? Does that mean that somehow God doesn't have a plan for my life? No. I don't care what your circumstance is, what your background is. No matter how you were conceived, God was the one who gave life. And when God did that, he mapped out a plan for us. The only question is, am I on that road or am I not? And like I told you, I know what running's all about. I know what it's like not to be in the will of God. And yet that's our bent. That is the way so often we tend to choose. So David says all of this so clearly. He says, there's nowhere to hide. God knows everything about us. And then somehow he comes to these final couple verses here. And he asks God to search him. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Now he just got done saying that God knows all that in the first place. What is David actually doing here? What David is requesting of God is for him to reach down and perform what I'm going to call an open heart surgery. He's saying, open me up and let me know what is in there. Because God already knows. God already knows. He's asking God to reveal to him what is in there. Tonight... Do you want to know how God sees your heart? Are you willing to simply let the Holy Spirit speak to you and reveal whatever it may be, whether it's small or large? And are you willing, if the Holy Spirit does that, are you willing at that point to take care of it? I'm asking some hard questions. I know this. On a head level, we're all saying yes. But really, on a heart level, can we be there? Can we say, Lord, I want you to do that to me this week. I want to tell you a little, little bit about What's in store for us this week? I don't know what you have felt prior to this. I thank you for praying. God will definitely answer honest prayer. But I've also been involved in enough meetings where people wanted revival from the heart. And I will tell you this. The enemy of our souls is very alive. He's very real. And he knows it too. I almost didn't go to church the night I got saved. I've experienced some spiritual opposition as I've tried to prepare here, and I'm not blaming anyone but myself for that. But I will tell you something. If you're serious about revival, if you make the commitment, you know what, I want to be there. I want the Spirit to actually search me. The devil is going to have something for you to try to block that. 
The baby will be extra fussy. Your husband will have to work late. I don't know what the things are, but I know they're there and they're real. I want to tell you a little story. I was in a church. And it was fairly wide open as to whether we'd have a special service for the youth. And I was not aware of any of this at the time. But the one night I felt led that tomorrow night we're going to have a service directly to encourage youth. What I didn't know when I made that announcement is that there were some boys in this church that were very tied up in college football to the point where they'd go to games. And one young boy went to work the next day and he was tussling with this. Would he go to the service that night? Or would he go to the game? And as he was working in his father's store, somebody came in from out of state and started talking. And they were there for the football game that night. And as they talked, the stranger realized this young fellow had a keen interest in football. And he offered him gold tickets to that game that night. And that young boy struggled. He called his dad. He says, what do I do? His dad says, son, you've got to make the decision. I can tell you you've got to be there, but it won't do you any good. I don't know how much more real it gets than that. To have the devil know that you're struggling with something, and then he just puts the icing on the cake so you can just hardly resist it. That boy went to church that night. And I say, praise God, because there are some victories won that night that wouldn't have been won otherwise. But I just want to warn you, there's going to be a battle. If you want revival, the devil's going to oppose it. The more you want it, it seems the harder. And he does not... Well, I, I know why he fears it. Because you know what happens when we get revived? When we get excited about the kingdom? When the church gets on fire? The world sees it. And our greatest mission on earth is not just simply to make it to the kingdom. It's to take another soul with us. Tonight I'm going to ask you to turn in your songbooks to number 433. <clears throat> we have a song taken directly from this psalm. Search me, O God. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to ask you to sing it with your heads bowed. I'm just simply going to ask you tonight to make a commitment if you are able to God that that's what you want this week that you're going to allow his Holy Spirit free access to every corner of your life that you are willing that if something is there that that will be cleansed that will be taken care of and there's no peer pressure here I want your heads bowed but if you can do that you just raise your hand as an acknowledgement to God that's your desire. Let's prayerfully sing.
Father, as we continue in prayer at this moment. Lord, you've been the witness here this evening. Father, for those that have been able to make this commitment, I know you have great things in store for us, Lord. And if there's anyone here this evening that wasn't able to make that commitment, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit 
would be able to speak and move in those lives as well. Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit's direction as we move through this week. Lord, use us even though we're earthen clay vessels to be able to hear and receive the message that you would have for us each night. Father, enable us to be here to receive the blessings. And Father, we're just so grateful that all our needs can be met inside of you. Lord, I ask your blessing now on this congregation as we part for this evening and go our various ways, Father. Just watch over each one until we meet again. For we ask it in Jesus' worthy name. Amen.